was an extraordinary moment, which I haven't talked about before much, but I'll quickly do it now because, hey, we're here. Yeah, please. Uh, and it's the moment when Don Rickles came on the set. Wow. Oh, no. And every, suddenly we're in the middle of rehearsal and suddenly everyone's going, Don Rickles, Don Rickles is coming. And I said, who's Don Rickles? They said, he insults people. Come, hi, hi. <laughs> <laughs> So we all hide behind the sofas, you know, behind the curtains, you know, whatever, in the set, mm -hmm. round the back, whatever. And on comes Rickles, who I know nothing about because it's 64. I'm English. I've no idea what this guy is. And he's, <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, oh, they're, they're hiding. You know, and, he comes, and then gradually people come out and he insults them all. <laughs> he insults us, of course. But it was, it was like giggling. It was children giggling behind the sofa. Tokyo tonight. Guests talking about this gentleman because they've been uh, they've been touring together, which has been a little bit difficult during the COVID times. Mm -hmm. So maybe we could play a little clip, just introducing you to our incredible guest today, Jeremy Clyde, um, from a previous interview with Peter Asher. Dystopia tonight. And you were touring with another good friend of yours, Jeremy Clyde, uh, and now he can't come with you on some of these gigs. Yes, I, I you know, my understanding is that it's very hard for someone from overseas, even from a an alleged ally like Great Britain to to actually mm. come into America now. It's not that they're officially not letting anyone in, but the whole process has become so slow and complicated. Yeah, that that yeah, coming in on anything other than a U.S. passport is is very tricky, and to come in in time for a, an immediate gig is impossible. How did you guys wind up deciding to tour together? Well, to be honest, it seemed kind of obvious. I mean, it, it's like <laughs> you know, um, because well, look at it this way. First of all, it's very. There were only two duos in the whole British invasion, mm -hmm. if you think about it. Yep. And the similarities between the two of us were ridiculous. Right. In both cases, we were from London. We weren't from Liverpool or any, you know, working class northern area. All from London. In each case, there was the tall, handsome one who sang the low part. The short, nerdy one wearing glasses sang the high part. <laughs> that 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 in, that describes both duos. Right. And. Even odder in a way was that the lead singer in both bands had their name second. Right. <laughs> so it's really right. weird. So anyway, Gordon sadly died, of course. And then yes. when, when Chad died, re retired and subsequently died, um, mm -hmm. the it was kind of, well, you know, we looked at each other and went, well, you know, it's yeah. kind of obvious. Uh, because that way we get to do a show where, you know, he gets to sing well, without love and nobody I know and I go to pieces and I get to sing Yesterday's Gone and Willow Weep for Me and, and all the, you know, um, all the Chad and Jeremy hits, so it seemed kind of irresistible. Plus, we're, we're both we're both actors as well as musicians. As Jeremy, mm -hmm. even more so than me, I was a child actor mostly, and right. but we both enjoy being on stage, and we 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 try to inject a little of what we fondly consider witty repartee in the in the into the show. So, you know, it it honestly seemed like the logical thing to do to us. So, you know, we both do other stuff as well, but mm. we do go out together. And it's fun. Pleasure, Jeremy. How are you? Uh, yeah, I am, guys. 
so do you feel trapped uh, uh, in England? <laughs> yes. Yes. No, seriously. Um, and in order to get, I mean, first of all, I can't go to the United States at the moment. I mm -hmm. mean, it is just impossible. Uh, there is a ban unless you are sort of important to the welfare of the nation. And perhaps important <laughs> though I am, that, that may not apply. Okay. Um, right. So that's that, that. And then, of course, the Brits now can't go abroad. So there. Right. So if, if you want to have a, a holiday by the British seaside, you're going to pay double and you'll be lucky to find a, a cupboard. You know, so it's, wow. it's all we're all trapped. We're all trapped by this damn thing. Anyway, there you are. Yeah, I had I had no idea that um that, that it was such a difficult thing for even performers to travel from Britain to the UK until I was talking to Peter Asher about it. I had no idea. Yeah, if you go on, I mean, my gov dot uh, dot com gov dot com, uh, my mm -hmm. British, it says all travel is impossible to the United States. I mean, it's sort of, okay. There's no sort of wow. I'm not negotiating here, you know? <laughs> yeah that's brutal i i had no idea um and i mean we don't we're not you know we're not really looking to travel too much over here as far as i know i mean it's mostly just within the country or whatever but even then it's like sure. we've got so many incidents and so many things going on on planes and stuff it almost doesn't seem worth it to do it over here because you never know what kind of a lunatic you're gonna run into that's right that's right yeah. and uh, yeah oh yeah, it's it's bad taste, boring all around. <laughs> dull times, dull. Yeah, oh yeah. Have you been able to do much, uh, like like you know, since it's I don't know what it's like over there necessarily with the restrictions and stuff, but have they loosened it up a bit? Have you been able to get out and do some live stuff or no? Uh, get out and do what? Do some live shows or no? No, I mean they're beginning. Live shows are beginning. Uh, mm. My 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 credibility as a as a musician is is, is in America. That's, yeah. that's a slight <laughs> problem. Okay, um, and uh, but I mean I, I've managed to do with my other hat on. I just did a little television thing uh, on a television. You know, it's going to be a drama. It'll come out in the autumn or next year or something. And nice. uh, that was fine, except it wasn't. It wasn't at all fun because part of the fun, particularly if you've been in the game for a long time, like I have, is you meet old friends and you go, oh, my God, you're on this, too. And then you mm -hmm. chatter, chatter, and, you know, and then they have to, then you have to do some work. And then you get <laughs> some more chatter. Not anymore, because you sit with a sort of, you know, you're only allowed to talk to the people you're in the scene with, which is a bubble. Yeah. You have mm -hmm. to wear masks all the time. You're you're kept in your Winnebago, or in my case, Loserbago. That's an old joke. <laughs> uh, 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 you know, food is food is brought to you on sort of. It's like a, being on an airline, and it's really weird. Um, wow! And so the fun has rather gone out of it all. But that applies to a lot of life at the moment. I mean, but there you are. Hey. Absolutely. Um, no, absolutely. Days, I, it's totally wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, ho I, I hope so. I mean, I've already had to start canceling stuff again and, and not being able to go back out on the road and stuff. Oh, and... you too, huh? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Just because people have been, I mean. Seem, yeah, things don't seem to be getting a lot better. That's, I mean, they're better. They're better. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, I 
indeed. I've had, you know, my jabs and all that, but now I'm looking for a booster, I imagine. So, you know, we're in yeah. that situation. That Same here. Yeah, I think I get mine. Yeah, I think I get mine in November. It's supposed to be like eight months or six, six or eight months or something like that. You're supposed to get a booster. So mine sure. comes up in November, sure. right around my birthday. Uh, <laughs> oh, <happy> birthday. <laughs> I think yeah. <laughs> that'll be a nice gift. Um, yeah, I, I I loved your Facebook. Um, I was following all, all your stuff on Facebook during the like, I guess, like the beginning, middle of the pandemic or whatever, when you were just coming on to play songs. I love that. I'm still doing it. Uh, every every week I go on, I do a song and a bit of a story and a bit of a chat. Mm -hmm. A lot of it has to do with Chad and some yes. of it doesn't uh, because these are all the old songs that I, the songs that I've been sitting have been in, in the bottom drawer. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Chad and I recorded some of them, but, um, and one of them, there's a song called Zanzibar Sunset, which the fans seem to think was put from the 60s, actually. I arrived with it uh, on the, in the 80s, and it's sort of become uh -huh. everyone thinks uh -huh. it's for that. So uh, all of it, I have an enormous amount of material. And after, you know, I mean age, uh, after I, my 70th birthday, <laughs> after that, I thought, well, I'd better do something about this. And right. so uh, now we are into, well, I mean, I, number seven is going to come out this year, and then I've got eight and possibly nine, but that's a bit of a secret at the moment. Anyway, you heard it here first. Uh, hey. and, that, and then the, uh, the, the draw is finally clear. And then I wow. think I'll do a cover album, because that's what people do at the end of their career. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What, do, you, do you have any favorite songs you like to cover? Yes. But do, you, do I have to tell you now? No, you don't have to. Version of, uh, wake, I've got a fantastic new version of Wake Up Little Susie. Completely oh, reworked. That's great. As a matter of fact. But again, you heard it. You've got this, all this out of me now. You see how it is. <laughs> <laughs> and it's early and it's early in the interview too well, by the end of it you're just going to be spilling it's everything early for me. <laughs> it's true yeah. um yeah i you know what one of the things i was looking for and i once i realized you were doing the songs that you said like you said you'd been sitting on there the drawer sessions or whatever one of my favorite songs that you guys did was a summer song yes and i feel like i never get to, I, I never get to see that played too much anymore uh, well, every summer on the 60s programs, on the 60s shows, it comes, mm -hmm. you know, rocketing by. But hang on a minute. It's, I mean, it's almost 50 years old or something. I mean, yep. one doesn't expect uh, a, a great deal of... Uh, it, it's, it was... It, it, the thing about Summer Song was that it was a little throwaway track on the first mm -hmm. album. And Chad had a couple of folky friends... Mm -hmm. And they had the beginnings of the song, trees swinging in the summer breeze, that, like that, that bit, the downward mm -hmm. bit. Chad came on and they said, hey, we, we can't finish this. Do you want to have a crack at it? And he had a crack at it. And he wrote the bit that actually Peter, always Peter Asher says, is right. the bit that makes the song. And I completely agree with him, by the way. Peter's a very mm -hmm. old friend of mine, by, uh, also. I mean, that's yeah. another story. Um and Chad wrote that they say that all good things must end someday, autumn leaves must fall, all that stuff, mm -hmm. uh, which, which makes the song. And it was just sort of tucked away and 
it was released in England as a single and uh -huh. died, completely died. And it was the American DJs who found it on a sort of B-side or somewhere or dug into the album, to the first album, and right. released in 64. So that's quite a long time ago now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, for summer, and it became a summer song, and, and that, that's the story of summer song. We none of us, I, everybody else was chasing the label, was chasing singles. It's the old story, wow, the old story. wow. right. Yeah, I never knew. I never knew that it was somebody else's song originally. First, I always thought it was the perfect song to ease everybody out of summer and into into the fall. It comes up my mind yes. every time, like around this time of yes, year. You're absolutely right because it's the, it's the memory of a sun, summer romance, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. So you you said you were friends with Peter Asher. You guys did you guys hook up in England or were you around because it was that huge British invasion thing when everybody was coming to America? They were Peter and Gordon. Mm -hmm. um, Peter was my pal, basically. They were playing at a place called the Pickwick Club, which mm -hmm. I used to hang out. It was a big showbiz hangout place in the sixties, right? Wow. And they, they would sit at bar stools with two guitars and do Everly Brothers covers and, and a good deal else. Mm -hmm. And we were doing much the same thing, only <laughs> on a, on a, on a, across town on a, in, a, in, a, in the lunchtime break. Mm. And we, it was actually we were signed first by John Barry. Um, okay. the great John Barry, the great film music composer, yep. starting a record label. He was the man who technically discovered us. And then oh, the wow. people, this is called Tina's Bar. And we there was a, quite a lot of buzz. That's how John came down. That's because there was mm -hmm. a certain we got we were doing quite well. They were selling a lot mm -hmm. of drinks. Um, <laughs> and, um, and, the, uh, and, the, and then we said, John signs us. And mm -hmm. we are off to fame and fortune, and they say, "Oh, that's 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 a shame because it was going so well. You don't have to know know anybody else who's doing this kind of thing." I said, "Yeah, it's my friend Peter Asher. He's working with his pal <laughs> Gordon across the road. I mean, that's sort of you know a mile away up there. <clears throat> uh, I'll see if I'll see if they want to do a, a, a lunchtime as well." And they did. Mm. They they picked up the gig, and then they wow. were signed after us. But to a very big label called Capital, we were on a tiny yeah. little label. But anyway, that's the story. <laughs> wow. Was the goal for you guys always to get to the, the United States? I'm always curious about the British invasion. The whole thing was like, you know, some people had a great success in the England and then came over to the UK and then, I mean, and then came over to America and then really blew up. But then it's like, was that was that a goal for everybody, all musicians back then? Or, or? No, no, no. no. Uh, when we were... We recorded Summer Song, I've got to get this right, mm -hmm. 1963. That's early if you look mm -hmm. at the Beatles and the Stones and everybody else. I mean, that right. is really early yeah. uh, because we got some time first. Um, <laughs> so it's, um, um, it's, it's, we were just in the right place at the right time. Wow. Nobody saw it coming. There was a huge, there's a one of, you know, Sir Cliff Richard over here, Cliff Richard, huge, mm -hmm. huge star, tried to break America in 63 or 62, and it wow. hadn't worked. Nobody could crack America. 
until Jeez. obviously uh-huh the beatles and then, the <laughs> and then everybody else the point is we were we were around we had a sort of we had a chart hit in mm -hmm. 63 64 we had chart hit mm -hmm. in 64 um and that was exactly the time when everybody all the execs from the label came into town and said we want british acts give me a british act <laughs> Any British acts will do nicely. And there we are. <laughs> and that's how we got swept up in this. Because, I mean, we were, you know, kind of a folky duo. Mm -hmm. uh, Peter and Gordon were slightly more rocky uh, mm -hmm. because Gordon had a real rock and roll voice. Uh, right. So one singer. Um, and then Peter had a really good commercial ear. We, we were kind of just sort of hanging out doing Peter, Paul and Mary covers, you know, um, right. and then it all sort of took off. Um, so it was a bit of a surprise. So the answer to your long answer to your question is no, it was a great surprise. Nobody saw it happening. Wow. That, I mean, that's incredible because it just, it, it obviously, you know, it left such a huge impact, especially in America and stuff. Uh, and you yeah. guys took off with an acting career, but I want, before I get into that, I would love to talk about just like how you have found yourself involved in music and writing songs. Was that something you always liked when you were kids? Like what, what how did that come about? Chad was the, he, he was first out of the, my brother, Chad. Um, yeah, he, right. was, <laughs> he was always referred to us as brothers, you know, so they, were, yes. that's cool. Um, uh, yeah, no, he was the man who, he, he was a really, Chad was, uh, he left us last year, um, sadly, indeed. Yeah. Um, he was a brilliant musician. He was mm -hmm. a musician, musician. Uh, I, we met at the Central School of Speech and Drama, a big, I mean, an important um, uh, place in, 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 in America, in, in England, in London, um, it's a top drama school, mm -hmm. um, and he, I, people knew that I did a sort of a few folk songs and sang, couldn't wait to sing and couldn't wait to play a few folky chords, mm -hmm. but I couldn't mm -hmm. find anybody to play with. And at the so this was September nineteen sixty. Mm -hmm. um, somebody comes up to me, the new intake. I've been there a year, right. Mm -hmm. It says, hey, there's a guy in the teacher training course. He's just what you're looking for. He can play Apache, big surfing hit, big surfing wow, hit. Wow. He can play it the whole way through. I said, my God, you're kidding. <laughs> yeah, and he's really good. And then he played piano. What? Okay. So, so I finally <laughs> meet this guy. You know, it's like meeting God. And, <laughs> and sure enough, he can do all these things and he can sing and he's been a chorister. I, he's a, there's a serious choir chap and he knew musical theory and he could mm. play piano and he could arrange and I mean, what? So we wow. became absolute best friends from that moment on. And he was the first person, so he, I learned, I mean, I had, I don't know, a few folk chords and a few folky songs. Right. He taught me a, opened my musical vocabulary to a great deal else, which I just couldn't play up to that point. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to play, I just didn't know how to do it. And right. So he was, he was, he was, and it was he who started the songwriting. And later, when you've got the bit of the vocabulary and you can 
you know, get out of D major to A major to E major. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, whoa, okay, let's go right. to a diminished fifth or something <laughs> insane. Um, and he taught me, and that's when I took up songwriting. And in fact, if you look at our recorded career, you'll see he starts as a songwriter, and I end up doing most of the songwriting, and he ends up doing the arranging because mm-hmm. he could do all and he was really, really good at it. That's th- that's something I just read about that you, your roles kind of switched and from beginning to end with the songwriting. And um, that's right. did you still, when you were writing the songs though, did you still kind of like have a system where you like ran it by him, kind of a thing? And like, oh god, yeah. At- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, first of all, the first songs were sort of written in the back of the bus, uh-huh. um, you know, because that's when we were there. And yeah. Then, and then I went through a sort of poetic period at one point. <laughs> and started sort of scribbling things and he would he arranged a couple of those and made songs out of those and then eventually and then i sort of started to go off on my own no, but it, of course you would i would hey what do you think of this is the right. first of course he's my brother you know yeah uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we make this work you know right um, oh, somebody, uh, we have people watching live. Uh, Yesterday's Gone was a number one yeah. in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and years later, The Ark was a top 10 album. Loved you on Dick Van Dyke. Yes. Good. Great, great about The Ark. Pleased about The Ark. I love The Ark. Yeah. The Ark's a felt album now. I, I wrote a lot of The Ark, so I would. <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm, I'm curious, though, like when you were doing lyrics and stuff like that, because I always ask musicians and stuff, how does then the music come into play afterward? Because is it mostly focused on um, the lyrics and then writing music to what you wrote? Or did every now and again, you have like a a tune pop in your heads and then you're like, oh, I'm going to write to that tune. Back in the day, Mm -hmm. I would work. I can't talk for Chad. I I can't say how he got there. Mm -hmm. Um, But I got there through chords and things and fiddling around on the guitar right uh then the words came later mm-hmm. in my in when it comes to the bottom drawer sessions and all the stuff that i wrote from 1970 to 2015 on mm-hmm. which is what bottom drawer sessions is yeah uh that's almost all um uh lyrics first then music because okay. I met a guy, I met a guy, I, there, was a, there was a great jazz singer, um, Annie Ross, uh, Lambert Hendrickson Ross, and she was mm. a friend. She was, you know, and I met her in a television studio in about 1980, 1979, something like that. And hey, Annie, hey, Jeremy. Uh, she said, we're giving a party. Do you want to come? Christmas party. I said, sure, I'd love to. And there I met an incredibly tall, like six foot seven tall guy wow. uh, uh, in a cowboy hat. Uh, <laughs> and I said, what do you do? And he said, I'm a lyricist. And I said, I've always wanted to meet a lyricist. <laughs> and we then wrote, his name was David Pierce. He was a big mm. guy on the scene. Big Dave Pierce was, you know, mm-hmm. well-known. He'd been, he'd been part of a band or had worked with a band called Meal Ticket. They'd been very, they'd had their moment in the sun in, in, in England at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wrote for 
five years together. And wow. that, wow. that basically, the, the bottom draw sessions is mostly about Dave and my work. But, and I discovered that I could, and I've done it with other people, is if you give me a good lyric, I can, in fact, set it. It's a gift. And wow. what it does is it speeds up the process. Because, mm -hmm. you know, what are you going to write about? Hey, woke up this morning feeling mighty bad. Hey, it's been <laughs> done, guys. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so, and and you know, and it's it, it meant that I just went through all his stuff. Yes, yes, no, no. I'll have a bit of that. Yes, I'll try that. And he, it was like a fountain, and I just stood underneath and caught the bits that worked for me. Wow. And it was wonderful. Anyway, so the answer is it, it, I now love to set lyrics because I don't have to worry about what to say because somebody else is, because it's already been done, basically. Right, right. Talk to a few musicians. You're the first one I know who does it the this way. And I've always wanted to know like how it... Well, no, no, no. The process. It's, it's, it's very much the, um, it's the Elton John, uh, Bernie Taupin way. Bernie Taupin okay. brings the Elton sets. Right. It's exactly like and what you get out of it, by the way, mm -hmm. is if you can't, you can get quite literary poetry and music that way because the, the, the words are given equal importance. It's not just, hey, hey, baby, hey, feel right. good, baby. You know, I mean, that's easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I always appreciate it. I'm, I'm very much like whenever I listen to music, I always listen to I mean, you know, there's there's those pop hits, which I always feel like everybody likes those kind of things because you know, every now and again you want like McDonald's, you know what I mean? You don't want a real burger, but you no. want something oh, no, no. quick and like, and I love that I, I stuff, but yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. And for me though, sometimes I really love and tune into lyrics and what people are writing. And I love to get into the meaning of stuff and what, you know, why they wrote whatever they wrote. So I always, I always appreciate that kind of work. Um, And so what was it when you were touring in, in America and stuff like that, did you guys like reach a point of, uh, fame where you had to actually kind of pull back from it a little bit because you did get re really really big when you were in America and stuff. But I know, you know, uh, reading about other you know acts and stuff like that around that time or whatever, like uh, it just got too crazy. Like the audiences got yeah. too kind of wild and yeah. and you yeah. it almost wasn't about the music anymore. Yeah, no, absolutely. It 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 got it got silly because like everybody we got tired of not being heard particularly with mm. us because we are you know a little sort of quiet act uh, mm -hmm. we're not yeah. going out there and you know giving it the full uh, rock um, right. <laughs> so it, what we did the way we dealt with that was to go out into colleges and do our own just two man show in college oh, nice. right. and that that actually, sort of 66 onwards, we started to do that. And that had a real, that, that worked uh, mm. for us. And also, we were able to keep a little bit of money because <laughs> <laughs> nobody talks about this, but it's true. The, the, the costs of touring, mm. I mean, you know, the hotel rooms, the the you know everything everything and then you've got the manager you've got the uh, you know the agent you've got the, the, the publicity guy you've got the fan club i mean and then you split it between the two of you and yeah. and then you pay tax i mean come on um, right so, yeah. so a two-man show really works a one-man show works even better
<laughs> uh, did you stay on the campus when you were doing the colleges back then, or did they keep you away from everybody? We no, no. We were invited to campus parties. Oh, that must have been crazy. Uh, yeah, a little, but in a funny kind of way, they were kind of kids, and we weren't. Oh, it gotcha. Kind of interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I got a view into American campus culture, which I wouldn't necessarily have had before. <laughs> so Move over, John Belushi. Uh, anyway, there we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you did, I know you guys did, um, TV when you were doing your music stuff. Um, but you were, is that how you started to get into acting when you, when you came there? Were you an actor before in England? No, 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 no. Whoa, 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 whoa. I had done, sure. I have done three years of training to be an actor. Three years at the Central School of Speech and Drama taught by vocally, you know, taught by the people who taught Sir Lawrence Olivier. So there you are. Then right, I do a right. then I do a, a year of repertory theatre. And then mm -hmm. that is the moment when my when my um union goes on strike for the first and only time it's ever uh, done it. Uh, wow. equity. And I that is why Chad and I, I'm a young actor, I've come back to take the town, right? Absolutely <laughs> no question of that because nobody's working, right? <laughs> and so then Chad, I ring Chad, you know, Chad and I remain friends and everything. Um, he's now working for a, a music publisher, score, I mean, copying scores by hand, you know. Wow. I mean, exactly, now you just get a copier. In that day, yeah. you got Chad. Um, <laughs> so he's miserable i'm miserable and we go let's do some work together again like the old days like we did you know back in when we were at central and that's yeah. how we anyway there you are i'm, I'm like the well the que the question was how you actually wound up getting in getting into the acting scene and stuff like that because i i've okay. seen you in in a lot of different tv shows and stuff like that over the years okay here's the thing we but the word spread that we had come from drama schools and mm. we could sort of stand up and do the thing. Mm. Um, therefore, we and also we lived in Hollywood. Availability in show business is a very big deal. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're there, you've got the job. And so Chad and I were there we were and we could handle dialogue and if anybody wanted to do a gag about the british invasion we were the go-to guys because okay could do oh. that's how it happened mm -hmm. it's it's the acting comes first then then it's discovered whoa they can actually and people would come up to me and say oh you're a really good actor and i would get actually quite cross because i had actually <laughs> by that time done a great deal of you know check off and shakespeare and god knows what else. right I love that. What uh, I got to talk to you about the Dick Van Dyke show because yeah, that sure. is w one of my all time favorite episodes is the red coats are coming. And it was it was cool for me because when I was a kid, I mean, my mom is the one who introduced me to you guys. Uh, she loved all that, all that kind of music and stuff. And 
So I got to listen to a lot of it with her. And then, of course, she was a huge fan of the Dick Van Dyke show. And she was basically just like, hey, you know, the band, we, you know, the group we listen to, Chad and Jeremy. Well, that's them playing like a version of themselves called the Red Coast. And I was blown away by that as a kid. But it's still today one of the funniest. It holds up so well. Yeah. Uh, it's it's one of my favorites. What was that? <clears throat> what was that like kind of playing? Because that you said you'd said earlier, like it's um. You know, if people wanted a British invasion joke, they'd go to you guys because you do it so well. Is that how you wound up getting onto the Dick Van Dyke show and Carl Reiner with all those guys? Or yes, exactly. Oh. Uh, and it, it was it was extraordinary. I mean, we were essentially straight out of drama school, mm -hmm. and there we are with the gods of comedy. Um, mm -hmm. And what was so extraordinary, and it's it's not always the case, but every they were. I mean, I'm talking about Dick and, and Mary Tyler Moore and, and mm -hmm. everybody right mm -hmm. down. They were as nice and as sweet and as generous and as kind as you would hope they would be. They wow. were just like they were on stage as off stage. And that's not wow. always the case. Um, and what was wonderful about it was that you, what happened is how it works is you arrive on the Monday and you have a read through in the morning. Mm -hmm. Then they send the actors away um, and there's a massive rewrite goes on. <laughs> and then you come back on Tuesday and you do another version and then you start getting it up on its feet until Friday when you have a technical rehearsal and then they bring the audience in Friday night. You do the show, one take, couple of retakes, nothing much. And that's it. Cast takes a rest. It all starts again. In the in the period where the Tuesday to Friday, where everybody's just trying out stuff, that is when, and I mean, I just felt it was like the old days. I mean, it was like being an actor again. I was thrilled. Right. I came up with this ridiculous gag, which you may remember, John. Which uh -huh. is, I mean, I come into the, to the, the Petri household mm -hmm. and say, do you know what we call one of these in England? And and Dick goes, no, what? And I go, a chair. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, it's not that funny. Guys, it really isn't that funny. <laughs> I, I, I came up with that in rehearsal. I just sort of, you know, riffing. Mm -hmm. and, and, and Dick said, oh, that's great. That's fantastic. We're going to keep that in. That's brilliant. So in it went. And the extraordinary thing is, and this is true uh, story, is I, I, you know, I was never, I never thought much about this moment, except, I don't know, about 10, 15 years ago, something like Chad and I were checking in at some airport. And the guy looks up from behind the airline desk and he sees the guitars and he sees us and he goes, a chair. <laughs> it lasted. Anyway, so the answer is they were absolutely stupid. There was an extraordinary moment, which I haven't talked about before much, but I'll quickly do it now because, hey, we're here. Yeah, please. Uh, and it's the moment when Don Rickles came on the set. Wow. Oh, no. And every, suddenly we're in the middle of rehearsal, and suddenly everyone's going, oh, shit, Don Rickles, Don Rickles is coming. And I said, Who's Don Rickles? They said, He insults people. Come on, shh, hi, hi. <laughs> <laughs> so we all hide behind the sofas, you know, behind the curtains, you know, whatever, in the set, mm -hmm. round the back, whatever. 
And on comes Rickles, who I know nothing about because it's 64. I'm English. I've no idea what this guy is. And he's, <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know they're, they're hiding. You know, and, he comes, and then gradually people come out and he insults them all. And he insults us, of course. But it was, it was like giggling. It was children giggling behind the sofa. Oh, my and God. Yeah, you've got to understand this. Uh, it was that wow. much fun. And he, Rickles, just went for the, hey, I think you look like a girl, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> he went for that. He wouldn't be able to say. Anyway. Right, right. <laughs> anyway, there you are. Oh, that's fantastic. I had no idea he popped on the set like that. I love stories like that. They, I, everything I'd read about the Dick Van Dyke show was that it was a very, a very nice set. And they were all very like, like it was basically, I think they always used to describe it as like Camelot. Sure. Uh, in what way? Camelot? As in? As in like the best, because it was like lasted five years. Like it was the best five years of anybody's life. You know, it was like a dream basically. I can absolutely, I mean, the little bits that I saw of it um, uh, 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 were exactly like that. I mean, these were people who knew they were at the top of the game, at their, get right. their game. They were at the top of their game. They were having a wonderful time. They were riding this beautiful thing. It was, it was wonderful to be a part of it. Yeah. Nice. I almost made the password to get into this, into the studio, Paul Revere. Uh, <laughs> and then I was like, I don't want to give anybody a hard time. <laughs> Question is, can you, I have no idea who was Fred and who was Ernie. <laughs> I'll tell you something else. I'll tell you something else. The thing about Batman was mm -hmm. that Batman, we were Chad and Jeremy in Batman. Right. Two episodes of Batman, and we were actually Chad and Jeremy because yeah. we'd been Fred and Ernie on the dick van dyke show and we mm -hmm. were nigel and patrick on the ah patty duke show patty duke show that's right i lost her name yep. for a second <laughs> uh, so, so we were finally got to be ourselves on batman so there you are yeah you, uh yeah the uh, the bat i was gonna say i was gonna ask how many times you actually got to play yourselves and stuff um and it was oh, only that's... batman huh wow <laughs> yeah that was it <laughs> What was the idea behind? I mean, were you playing in when you when you were the Redcoats? Were you playing Chad and Jeremy basically, or were you trying to be another? Like, who were you imitating there? Uh, I and Chad actually, but I I mean I know I. Um, they, they, we get into the subtleties of English accents at this point, uh, mm. which you may, is difficult for Americans sometimes. People yeah. would come up to me and say, "Are you from Liverpool?" And right. I would say. Surely you realize by my speech that I am not from Liverpool. It doesn't, I mean, I've not got nothing against the speech Liverpool. I know you love it, right. but, but, you know, hooray for Liverpool and the Beatles and the whole, you know, the whole thing. And Brian mm -hmm. Epstein, that would be. Uh, but they, they, they don't talk the way I talk because I right. come from London and that's different. Mm -hmm. I adopted, and Chad did a sort of version of it. I didn't go Liverpool, but I went more northern mm. england do you know I spoke, I spoke like that you know yep yep uh, i didn't which is more of the sort of manchester or, or lancashire accent and mm -hmm. uh, you know i did that like that uh, so the answer was i wasn't playing myself at all no i was playing a a version of a group that wasn't chad and jeremy that's for sure right
Okay. Yeah, because I noticed with the different axes, I wasn't sure if there was a band that you guys knew that you were trying to like emulate a little bit, or if you just well, went a different I mean, way. No, I mean the Hollies were from Manchester, and you know, I mean, right. we'd knocked about a number of the bands who they came from all over. You know, it's just like, yeah, some of them talk like that, you know, because they were from mm -hmm. London. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you ever do any voiceover work? Yes. You did. I was going to say, did you like doing that kind of stuff as it went? Because I know you did some, um, you know, some of the cartoons and stuff like that. But did you prefer coming from a classical no, no, no. background and doing it? I suspect I hear, I think, Chad played. Mm -hmm. Chad, Chad was, he'd gone into the teacher training course. He wasn't mm -hmm. really an actor. And he decided that he wasn't really an actor. Quite, and he left the drama school quite a, a year early. Actually. Right. Wow. At the same time as I left, he didn't go back. Um, because Chad was immensely talented in any number of areas. He could draw very well. He could, you know, he's incredibly musical. He could he could act a bit, but he mm -hmm. wasn't an actor. So there's a difference. Right. Um, where was I going with any of this? Uh, oh, yes, I know. He was mm -hmm. asked, he was available and around <laughs> when the Jungle Book when the Jungle Book was being cast, that's where you're right. Yeah, and he did a brilliant, a really good, he's clever, clever guy, uh, mm -hmm. a Liverpool accent, and played one of the vultures as a sort of Beakley vulture person. Yes. Oh uh, wow! And did all that absolutely brilliant, and never did anything more after mm. that uh, in terms of um, uh, voiceovers. Okay. I, in my in my life, do I do voiceovers? Yes, I do. Uh, that's yeah. one of the things I do um, to uh, you know keep the home fires burning. Now, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I that's what I was wondering too, because I know you know from from your background and stuff like that. But um, it, the voiceover acting, I always wonder if people prefer kind of being able to be in a studio without having someone to act off of, you know. Or if you're by yourself most of the time, is it frustrating to do that kind of work? Um, I know yeah. it's fun, but I mean, like, it's for somebody like you know who you're used to listening and, and responding off of somebody. Well, what's hang that on. like? There's also, there's also a thing that happens in England, although less and less, it must be said, and that mm -hmm. is radio drama, and I've done a lot of that too. Okay. So the, <laughs> if you're talking about working with somebody across a microphone, real old school stuff, uh, mm -hmm. it, particularly in the old days, you know, yeah. people would be pouring your tea for you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> would you like another? Yes, I will. <laughs> um, <and laughs> the stuff like that, real old school. Uh, so I've done all that. And that is, that is you are working with somebody, absolutely. It, it, but mm -hmm. on the other hand, if I'm just um, doing voiceovers, commentaries, um, documentaries, right. that kind of thing. I'm very happy to be sitting there, uh, <laughs> being well paid and uh, listening to myself only. Nice. <laughs> uh, you were in Downton Abbey as well. I'd love to uh, yes. pick your brain about that a little bit too. Did you, was, when you, when you're doing these British shows and stuff like that, do you, uh, do you kind of watch them beforehand? You know what I mean? Like, are you interested in that kind of stuff or, the fact that you're from you know that area entire in in general you're just kind of like i'll just do the role <laughs> and then and then see how it plays out you know what i mean like well it depends well i, I mean 
Because over here Downton it was huge. Abbey, I, it was like, Abbey, I, yeah, I don't, I mean, yeah. Um, Downton, certainly I can talk about that. Downton Abbey I'd seen because everybody had seen. Mm -hmm. Whether I remain yeah. devo a devoted watcher of Downton Abbey is another matter. Right. However, and the part that I had, my tiny little, I just did a, oh, I did a cameo from the Downton. It's just because it's something that worked for America and all that. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it didn't really require a great deal of my working out who was Lady Mary and who wasn't, <laughs> or whatever, and yeah, who, who was the Duke of Sidney Bush. Um, I didn't have to worry about any Right. But, but I, I mean, I knew quite a lot of the cast anyway because of mm -hmm. that's my game, and I, you know, that's right. what I've been in it for a while. And so it was nice to see old friends, and um, you know, it was a good, it was fun, it was a good right. day out. <laughs> that was for me. That's <laughs> <Dante. laughs> uh, I think one of our viewers had a question. I don't know if you want to grab it. Yeah, I'll bring it right back up because we were talking about. Yeah, I think I saw it. I think I saw it. Yes, um, uh, I can. Uh, all right, let me, John, uh, when John asks about the arc, I'd like to know how these to Gary Asher get in fire from Columbia. Uh, here's the thing. The arc was um, Gary Asher. We, Chad, Chad had always wanted, it sounds silly now because um, things have moved on, but in if you were with a big label, you had a producer and they gave you the producer whether you liked it or liked them or not. Mm -hmm. You were just given a guy who you'd never met before, who is going to be your, this is your producer. And um, some, Chad particularly, because Chad being more of a musician, musician at that time than I was, um, wanted to be a producer, wanted to produce himself. And every time they said, no, absolutely out of your mind, no, we're wow. not with our budgets we're dealing with, absolutely not. So there was always a tension. Um, some producers we got on better with than other producers. Uh, and Gary and, Gary's brilliant. Uh, Gary, I have a great deal of respect for Gary. Uh, Chad and Gary fought a little bit, sometimes more than a little bit. Um, it, it, but Gary went to bat for us in a way that, I mean, the loyalty, and he took the heat. They were going crazy wow. upstairs. We were making sort of absurd, strange sort of psychedelic records downstairs. They were going why do you know you're spending all this money? My God, they've been in the studio for 15 weeks and oh, what have you got? Nothing. <laughs> um, and so Gary went to bat for us. And so what happened was that the arc, which is now one of his masterpieces, so I give him absolute credit for this, um, uh, and Chad, and Chad, and, and Kurt Betcher, who was then brought in as a friend of, uh, now a very, very renowned musician. Um, and he was brought in to sort of to do harmony stuff as well. So we had the, like three producers on this, on the arc. 
which kind wow. of left me, by the way, sort of sitting on the sofa going, guys, we've been here for, well, most of the night. Uh, <laughs> can we go home now? Um, because, <laughs> oh, no, we're going to speed up the voices and we're going to, you know, uh, 16 by, by, we, we, Okay, the thing was, they were trying to make 16 tracks. So you get wow. two eight-track machines and you hook them up and it works for about 22 seconds. And wow. then it go, they start to, you know, it goes wrong because the, you know, the, the phasing goes. I mean, they've got mm -hmm. two turntables going at the same time. So trying to, all these effects, I mean, were actually um, very problematical as far as I was concerned. Because <laughs> I'd done my stuff. I mean, I'd played my guitar part, written the song, sung my part, sung another three parts because somebody else, in a key that I couldn't handle anyway because it was right up there. Um, <laughs> and then, so there we are. But Gary got fired because he stuck with the arc. Um, uh. He got Columbia. And so uh, my, I have a great deal of respect and thanks for Gary and for what he did because the arc is, is, is oh, I mean, it's very much of its time, but it is, it's my favorite Chad Jeremy album as it happens. Oh, wow. No. Do you have a favorite? You have a favorite role? I, you have so many, you've been in so many things. Is there one yeah. that stands out to you as like the one that you cherish the most? It doesn't have to be the biggest, just. Is this something that the trouble is it, it goes like this. Um, hmm. I mean, I've done well, the West End is what to London is Broadway to New Broadway. York. Broadway, yes. Mm -hmm. So I've done eight appearances in the West End over the years. Wow. Okay. Um, and a few films and a bit of telly and a bit of this and a bit of that. Um, a lot of my favorite stuff has been stuff that was, you know, has now gone. Um, yeah. and, uh, because it, it was theater. Mm -hmm. So the answer is, uh, yes, I mean, I can name some really sort of, you're, you're only as good as the material you're in as an actor you cannot rise above your material i've learned this i've mm. been very ordinary in 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 important shows shows that have been commercial i've given mm. a perfectly okay performance i might have been actually rather better in something <laughs> that nobody saw <laughs> <or> something, <laughs> you know. so there you are um I can name you things now, but I don't think for your audience necessarily they would be of huge interest um, uh, that, that made it onto the screen. Shalcon the Painter, for example, uh, oh, okay. is, is, I was very proud to have been in Shalcon the Painter. It's, it's a, the uh, British Film Institute gave it a special uh, evening and so on and so on. S-C-H-A-L-C-K-E-N. He's a judgment. Uh, nice. uh, if you ever can find that, that's one I, I'll, I'll, I'll admit to. That was perfect timing, by the nice. way, because you said it, and I clicked my pen to go write it down, and you started spelling. Like, because in my head, I was like, how did the hell do you spell that? But I was like going to phonetically do it, and you just came right out with Good. it. Okay. Perfect. Cool. 
Um, do you have a pre- do you have a preference at this point as far as acting and music? What you'd like to continue doing? Uh, one better that you one do you like better than the other? Well, it's an odd business, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. I now because okay, I mean, I've just done a bit on a telly uh, in yeah. England, uh, and it was fine. I had fun. I had a great time. Um, mm-hmm. But do I? I believe more in my own work now, and including, and that includes Chad, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And so, in other words, the the not only am I busily recording everything that I've got in the bottom drawer, which mm-hmm. is beginning to get quite a following, um, yeah. and I'm proud of it. I'm proud of our music. I'm, I'm proud, and I'm also what's interesting is if I go back. So the answer, short answer to your question, is. <laughs> Uh, yes, the music has kind of taken over because nice. the parts get smaller and less interesting. It's quite simple. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get older and you get, you know, you got a day on something and you come in and you play the old guy and you leave and the young people sorting it all out. You know how it is, right? Um, yeah. And so, so the music now is is I am very proud of and very interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it gives me immense pleasure. Um, and, you know, that's so music. Yeah. No. Yeah. And it's, and it's probably way other, more creative. On the other hand, if you offered me the greatest part I've ever seen right yeah. now, I'd take it. And that would be the end of that. So You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll get working on it. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I've got a couple projects in the work. I got your number now. I'll give you a call. but i but i know what you mean like it's the creative freedom to the music i in my head i would imagine that would be more fulfilling than acting unless you were you know writing your own stuff when to to perform like in a tv show or a play or something yeah i I mean as i said you're you're always you're making somebody else's dream yeah true um and with the music i'm making my own dream come true so Yeah. yeah It is. It, having said that, I mean, if the dream is a really wonderful script, oh, yeah. I mean, well, <laughs> yeah. but then, you know, they're not going to come along every day of the week. And, you know, uh, there are a lot of people who, with gray hair, who could do the part before me. but you seem to be like a true thespian though like you truly enjoy the art of the theater like beyond just like the smaller roles you seem like you really embrace that i do i do i i i I admit to that uh i i love live performing Uh, i'm a performer Mm -hmm. um so you know give me a guitar show me the stage or give me a part and let's hope i can remember it you know um Absolutely. So yeah, right. I am. But I'm I'm a committed um that's you know, that's what I do and that's what I've always done and that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, right from a very, very, very early age. And people would, you know, grown ups would say, Oh yes, and next week you want to be a train driver. I said, No, no, no you don't understand. This is serious. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, so now I have to ask, because as a comedian, you guys you you chat you and Je- you and Chad, hilarious. I've seen you in interviews, I've seen you talk. You know, I've seen some footage of you guys performing live and I haven't seen you and Peter, but Peter had mentioned that you guys have your witty British banter that you hope, you know, whatever is there now. Is that is that all natural? Is that somebody that you guys write? Do you try to riff when you're on stage together? And then if it works, you bring Uh, it back. Okay, okay. I'll tell you somebody, Peter and I, our show, somebody very grown up and, you know, sort of Broadway person came Mm -hmm. to see the show. 
oh my god this is great who wrote this material and Keisha said well we did <laughs> and the answer is you sit down and you say right okay let's work backwards world without love that's the big finish summer song before that we got a thing before that and we go before that and we better what how are we going to open oh my god so then you go well what's the link Mm -hmm. Have you got any stories about it? Yes, I do. Hey, do you remember the time I came over to your place when you just met James Taylor? Oh, I'd forgotten that. <laughs> no, okay, well, I'll, I'll put that bit in, okay? And then right. you can say, uh, James, and that gets you into it. And then, and so that's, that's what we... Uh, once we got that done, when mm -hmm. we kind of knew where we were going, we felt free to riff as well. But it nice. looks... It, it should look very um natural Organic. and indeed it changes slightly each night but yeah. the answer is no it's it's scripted in them it's lightly scripted they lightly are. scripted yeah. that's beautiful yeah. that you guys write it together though too i love that yeah it was easy it was fun i mean it was just like peter and i i mean you know peter did he called me i'm in london i was doing a play at the time um uh and in the west end and mm -hmm. uh, peter <laughs> calls me and said hey you're not going to believe this. I've met this great guy. Uh, you've got to come over and have dinner and meet him. I said, okay, sure. What do you say? Okay, yeah, all right. Mm -hmm. So I went over. It must have been a Sunday or something. I was working. Um, and, uh, and he said, hi, this is uh, James Taylor. And I said, okay, right. He said, go on, wow. James, sing a song. And so James sang three or four <laughs> songs. <laughs> Sat there, you know, very shy, very nervous. <laughs> And, and, I, and I said to Peter, it was brilliant, man. you know, yes, I mean, yes, I mean, brilliant, well done. Um, and so, that, so that's Peter and I, I mean, we go back to that sort of, you know, uh, nonsense. And of course, that's Jane, incredible. I've worked with Jane before, I mean, Jane Asher, yep. is, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I listen, I used to go over, I, we talk about it in the show, hanging out in Paul's bedroom at the back of uh, Walpole Street or Wimpole, Wimpole Street. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, him and Paul and me just, you know, setting the world to rights. Neither of us can, none of us can remember what we said, but there we are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What? Oh, somebody said, have you ever been offered a CBE, OBE, or MBE knighthood? Amazingly, I have not been <laughs> offered, but I've always thought. <laughs> I'd always thought Sir Jeremy Clyde had a certain ring to it. Yeah, I agree. Indeed. We'll petition that for you. <laughs> I may, I may just tell you what I could do. I just suddenly thought of this. I mean, hey, it's that kind of evening. I just suddenly thought of this. I could change my name by depot to Sir Jeremy Clyde. <laughs> I like it. That this will work. <laughs> oh god i will i will exit this interview by calling you sir jeremy clyde please we're just gonna start it here oh my god so uh peter had told us a couple things about um some random weird instances with fans and i'm wondering if you have the same encounter he told us that there was one fan uh they were they were leaving this area they got rushed he had dropped his glasses and he said at the time that they were pretty you know they, they went with the act. It was like a Buddy Holly kind of frame. Sure. And he Absolutely. ran back to grab them. And one of the women chasing them stopped and ate the grass that his glasses <gasps> were on. 
uh yeah oh they were on the floor and he was watching like from the limo and he went oh that's interesting <laughs> do you have any fan bizarre fan encounters over the you know back in the day two come to mind yes <laughs> um, <laughs> right we are chad and i are playing a theater in the round in orange county or anyway certainly in california and mm -hmm. to get onto the stage you come through a sort of like a tunnel mm. uh like sports people do you know to get okay onto the and chad is going first he goes first he's going guitar i've got my guitar we're kind of running and mm. a girl jumps from the top of the bleacher so to speak six feet above seven feet above and not that high, but even so, and hits Chad like that. I mean, wow. oh my God! Jumps up. And um, and Chad was furious, not for him, <laughs> but for the guitar. He was really upset about the guitar. And he was, right. Um, on the sort of bizarro meter, I can probably outdo Peter in that. Not that one wants to, because it was so sad. <laughs> Oh, there was a young lady who followed us around and wrote us letters in her blood. Oh, my goodness. Bandages, bandages round her wrist. Oh, and I mean, was slitting her wrist and writing letters. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, 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 it's it's and she would tend to invade the stage with these hands up and the bloody bandages it was there you are i mean wow uh, that's not a story i tell much because it's such a downer but, right but, um, <laughs> okay cheer up guys let's talk about Oh, John's looking for some serious groupie stories, and you just got a big no, no, yeah, uh, I, yeah. We got a, a stigmata fan. Is, no, seriously, seriously. The danger is, and everybody knows this, and God knows. I mean, the bigger you are, the more danger of the situation you are in. There are crazy right. people, and yeah, I don't yeah. need to. You know, I can. We can all think of immediate, you know, instances of this. Right. Uh, but you know. It, it, you've got to kind of watch it. Um, mm. I have a well, yes, okay. Oh, another story. Okay, yeah. This is Peter and I were playing this show. Uh, oh, Peter and Chad and I were playing the show. That's right. One of the very few that we actually did together. I think there were two oh, or one, wow. and and maybe Gordon was there. He was Gordon. It was there. That's historic moment. Um, oh, anyway, and. Uh, um, I were signing and they have it was a big because it was a big show mm -hmm. um, they have like like you have on an airport airport you know you have lines of people like that like yes. that like that you mm -hmm. know what I mean you're not just in one line you you know they put you in a you go around yeah oops right and I'm sort of sitting there chatting to Peter next to me or something and look up and I see this woman with mad staring eyes and I think, uh -oh, oh, this could be a bit odd. Not sure mm -hmm. about this. Uh, and then she's getting closer. Now she's two la layers away. Now she's one layer away. 
and she finally arrives and she says i'm your cousin <laughs> and i say well that how what really uh goodness um <laughs> tell you what like, i'm rather busy at the moment if you'd like to wait for a moment backstage we could sort of hang on talk about this maybe i've waited all my life for this moment <laughs> and and she was then taken away by security Right. I'm still standing, right? Guy comes back. Yeah. That was a weird one. I, he said, I, I know, so we, don't worry, so we spotted him, we spotted her early. <laughs> I don't know what, she may have been a relation of mine, she may have been. Right. Uh, and what I, I don't know what I was supposed to do. I don't know what I was, was I supposed to go, my cousin, at last, how, when, it's been too long. <laughs> You know, uh, it just. Um, <laughs> oh my uh, God! Because I and I was polite, and I said, well, "Excuse me, I have a few other things I'm doing right here at the moment." And, you know, and it was like, "How dare you!" It yeah, was, it was scary shit. So anyway, there you are. <laughs> wow, that is not that is that's that's crazy. Oh yeah, it's weird that they <laughs> always come up to you before a show. The crazies always think nothing of. <laughs> you know <laughs> what's going on around them. They're always just like, "I need to talk to you now." <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. That's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. And and you kind of you get an instinct for it all. Mm -hmm. you begin, oh yeah. You begin to go. I could, oh hello. Watch out. There's one on the left. Careful. <laughs> <laughs> I had. I don't know if you've ever got. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if musicians get these kind of backhanded compliments, but I love. You know, when there's um, an old, like an older table in the audience and it's always it's usually like the older women who like to approach, you know, me after a comedy show, or whatever, who I think are trying to be genuinely nice. But it always comes out like I thought you were hilarious, but no one else at my table was laughing. <laughs> it's just like, I appreciate. Thank you. But you but you would to me, though, and I'm just like. <laughs> A little too much information, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. how about the one I, I used to love you? That's all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't believe I used to love you. <laughs> right. What about now then? <laughs> yeah, those are. Oh my God, that's great! It's the weird. It's just the weirdest stuff that people think is just complimentary or. They feel the need to tell you the thing you did last time I saw you, you did it again. That, well, I didn't know you were going to be here again, ma'am. I, <laughs> I had no idea that you were going to be back. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh. That's right. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. always so weird. Do you have Oh, I was going to say, do you have a couple more minutes? I just have a couple more questions, but if you need to, sure. I need to have a heart out. Good. So when uh, do you have a like a um, somebody that you loved like a huge moment where basically you remember thinking like holy shit we've made it like opening for a, a huge band or or anything like that or maybe performing at a certain arena where you were like this is unbelievable or you know what I mean like was there ever that moment that you and Chad had yeah yeah I'll give you one I uh, there are several but I'll give you one mm -hmm. Hollywood Bowl Hollywood Bowl oh, wow. uh, um, we played a Hollywood Bowl with. An enormous lineup. I know Loving Spoonful were on and various other. Wow. Ones. 
And I, we lived in, I mean, I, we were all living in California at the time, so to be mm -hmm. played Hollywood Bowl. The thing about the bowl at that time, 66, 67, I don't know, in there somewhere, is they hadn't upgraded their sound system. Mm. Uh, so the bands would come on, the, you know, the funkier bands, uh, the rockier mm. bands would come on and blow the speakers out. I, that's, not, that's not actually literal. That is mm -hmm. kind of thing that the equipment couldn't handle what they were pump, pumping out. Oh, wow. Uh, and but, so we, as a result, because we went on and did our comparatively quiet set, even though we mm -hmm. had a drum and a bass player at the time, uh, so we were a four piece, but you know, we didn't we didn't crank the amp up to 11. I mean, that's the way we were. So, yeah. in fact, we did rather well. And so, I remember that. And then I remember being backstage, and after we went on, Percy Sledge came on. Wow. And I was standing backstage, and I just met Ray Bradbury. Oh, wow. Uh, and because Ray Bradbury's daughter was a big Chad and Jeremy fan and he got somehow he got the tickets and he was there. And so mm -hmm. a great man came by and I was reading Ray Bradbury at the time. So this was uh, reasons to remember this night mm -hmm. is not only we played the Hollywood Bowl and I met Ray Bradbury and had a long conversation with him. Uh, but also standing backstage in sort of warm California night. Uh, and now you know you can relax now you've done it <laughs> there is and there is the sound of percy sledge singing when a man loves a woman wow. and it's sort of going up into the i could hear it from there and i'm looking up and i think hang on to this moment jeremy this is this is magic this is what you you know this is, this is what you signed up for yeah yeah uh, so oh, that's beautiful there's one that's that's beautiful. That's fantastic. Um, and I'm going to ask you a question that we ask everybody on the show to wrap up. Basically, um, if you had any, if you if you were going back in time and you could talk to your younger self and give yourself a piece of advice that you know now that would help you later, what would it be? Ooh. Mm hmm. <laughs> um, in my case it would have been all about the fact that music lasts and theater doesn't wow wow because i made decisions back in the 60s because I was an actor. I mean, I'd done four years of this, but I, you know, as far as I was concerned, it just it was a sort of what am I doing here? Suddenly, what? Oh, right, I'm part of. You know, I'm a musician, but I wasn't that good a musician yet. Mm -hmm. Got better later. Mm -hmm. um, and so I tended to go off and do theatre, a bit of theatre here and there, sometimes more than a bit. And I would now I look back on that and I think, what on earth was I doing? Wow. Because, because at that time, I thought the West End, Broadway, was, the, was more important. Mm. It was more intellectually um, stimulating than mm. popular music. 
And I wow. was very, very wrong in that. And wow. that's that's the lesson I would uh, I would t tell myself. I would say, don't do the play. Stick with the music. The, the time for the play later, or wow. time for the movie, or whatever. That was great. Well, I want to just thank you again for coming on. I absolutely oh, sure. love you know your music, and I can't thank you enough for taking this time, uh, you know, to speak to us. Well, it's been fun, and guys. <laughs> just such a time. pleasure and honor to meet you. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's been great, man. Thank you so much. And I hope you okay. get to come uh, back to the U.S. and tour because I'd love to get to see you and Peter live and, uh, you know, and get to meet you in person. And John thinks I he might be your cousin. Also, <laughs> and I do bottom draw sessions shows with my little band as well. Uh, oh, great. So Pete, I love working with Peter. I love working with Peter. Right. Uh, occasionally, I, I get to, uh, you know, do my own stuff as well, which is um, also terrific. And I've got a terrific Fantastic. Band. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see you live as well and just meet you in person. And you know what? Actually, we didn't bring it up in the beginning. Can you draw at all? <laughs> Can I what? Can you draw? Tom had mentioned it earlier. That's right. I forgot to uh, to ask. Because you can do, you're, you're an actor, you're a musician, and we've had like the full gamut on the show. If you could draw, you'd be the trifecta. And he's funny. Well, I, so you, and you're funny. I, I can draw cartoons. I'm not terribly good, but I, yeah, I can draw. So can yeah. I. Great. Perfect. Look <laughs> at it. So hey. you're you're funny, quick on stage, musician, uh, classically trained actor, and you can draw. I'm out. Hey. That's it. What, what, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> this is my last show, everybody. <laughs> We've done it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well th again thank you so much and uh we know we'll plug all your stuff and we'll get this out to you yeah absolutely and cool. anybody that wants to check them out at www.bottomdrawsessions.com is the best place uh, to find all of those so i put that right into the link so everybody out there can click on it and go straight to it and then take a look thank you such a pleasure jeremy thank you pleasure take care man bye guys Peace. thank you talk to you in a bit <laughs> Dystopia tonight.